So go to ohiograce.com backslash gifts, uh, and you can get your own mom assistant. So uh, we thought we'd just throw some, something up there, a little funny, hopefully, for you. Um, well, on a day that we um, honor mothers, and as we do our baby dedication, we just felt um, as a church that we would um, also remind ourselves of what's been going on in the news as a court, you know, with the abortion situation with the uh, Supreme Court. Um, and we know that there's been some threats by uh, pro-choice activists that they're going to try to disrupt church services around the country. And we just um, feel like as a as a church, as Christians, we who value life, we know God values all life, um, including those that are in the womb. And so we feel like we need to be praying about that today and to ask for God's uh, blessing on that, for his will to be done, for his protection. But then also just to, we need to remember that there are women who are in crisis pregnancy situations. Uh, we have to remember there are some who have made a choice uh, to abort their children. And, and so we as a church need to also come around those individuals and to encourage them and help them and, and let them know about this incredible God that we have who uh, forgives and who heals. Um, and so in all of this, we just want to take a moment this morning, all three campuses will be praying uh, about this. And so join with me in prayer um, before we get into the message. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for today and the opportunity to honor um, our mothers, to be able to dedicate these families um, to you as they dedicate themselves to you. But Lord, we also know that uh, in our country, in our world, but specifically here in our country, there's We've had this issue of abortion, and, and now it's come up in the Supreme Court, and um, obviously our world, our nation has already been very much divided and in turmoil and emotionally worked up, and so this is just another one of those uh, situations. And so, we, Father, we just pray ultimately that your will would be done. We know that you value all life, that you value children, even those in the womb, and and so we want your will to be done. We know that we can't necessarily change everyone's minds, but we ask that you would help us to be effective in, in caring for individuals who are um, pregnant, for those who are contemplating abortion. Lord, that those who have followed through with that, that we would be sensitive and caring and loving and compassionate like Jesus Christ would be to them. And then in that, we might draw them to you so they can experience your, your forgiveness and you can experience, they can experience your salvation and your, your support. So Lord, again, we give this to you, this time to you. We ask for your safety and protection for churches in, the, in our country, but also for your name to be glorified in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I got a question for you. I like to kind of start out a lot of times with questions, get your minds going, your thoughts flowing. You don't need to answer out loud, just kind of think about it. But what would have to happen in your life for you to believe that God doesn't exist, or if he did, that he didn't care about you? What, what could something be that would cause that to happen? For many, it's their belief that God didn't answer a prayer. I've talked to people who have uh, felt this way. I've talked to others who know people in their life who... Uh, feel this way, but they, they were praying for something to happen, and it didn't happen. Didn't, like, for instance, um, one individual I talked to, they had been praying 
that their parents wouldn't get divorced. So they were young, they were a kid, and they had been praying that their parents wouldn't get divorced, and their parents got divorced. And that person then just said, well, it can't be a God, or if, it, if God doesn't exist, he doesn't care because he didn't keep my parents together. Or maybe it's somebody who's, um, you know, maybe has some health issues, and so they're, they're praying, and other people are praying for them that they would um, be healed of that. And then the person doesn't get healed, and maybe in some cases actually ends up dying because of that health challenge. And then, well, there can't be a God because why would God allow that person to die? And maybe it is just that. Somebody in your life who's died, maybe it's not even health reasons, but you're praying that they wouldn't and they end up. There, there's a lot of different reasons why people would be praying about something. A lot of, a lot of concerns they have. And then they realize, okay, God didn't answer that prayer. And so then they wonder, why didn't he answer my prayer? What's the, what's the issue here? I thought God always answers prayer. And so uh, we want to talk about that this morning. So go ahead and turn in your Bible to Matthew 7, chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 7. We're going to spend a few uh, minutes in 7 through 11. Um, and so we want to talk through While you're turning there, let me just go ahead and give you the context um, of what's happening here. So Jesus is preaching a sermon. It started in Matthew chapter 5, and it goes through the end of chapter 7. It's called a Sermon on the Mount. And in the uh, sermon, what he's doing is he's talking to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people felt like or believed that they were uh, right with God as individuals. They believed that because they were God's chosen people, which is true, uh, in that that God chose them to accomplish through them an incredible mission, which was Jesus Christ coming to earth. But the Bible has always told us that to have a relationship with God always happens when a, per, a person places their faith in Christ or in God. So the Old Testament was faith in God and what he said brought salvation. In the New Testament and on till today was faith in Jesus Christ, which brings salvation. It brings that relationship with God. And so this chapter 5 through 7, what Jesus is doing is he's challenging them, saying, hey, listen, if you truly are uh, following God, that you have belief in God, then here's how your life is going to be. So starting chapter 5, going through chapter 7, he's giving this information. And if you were to read that, which I would encourage you to do, what he's calling people to, what he's saying, this is what a Christian is, ultimately, is a radical change. It's completely different than the rest of the world lives. And so he's laying it out there. He wants the people who say, yeah, I believe in God, to kind of check, do I do this? Do I do this? Do I do this? Not that we do it perfectly, but does, a, does my life tend towards that? Am I working towards that? And so because it's a radically different life, we need God to help us because it's impossible to do it. So we need God to help us. So Jesus is saying, hey, you need to be praying about it. You need to be asking God for the help to do that, which brings us to Matthew 7 and verse 7. And it says this, Jesus is speaking. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who, who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So, awesome promise from Christ, right? If you, if you do these things, you're going to have your answer. It's going to be given to you. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, so the child asks for what he needs, will give him a stone. 
Or if he asks for a fish, again, what he needs, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, and when he says evil, just mean that you know, we're sinful people, we're not perfect, we, we kind of mess up and make bad choices, sin against God. If we, being evil or sinful people, know how to give good gifts, in other words, give what our children need to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good, or again, whatever, what is needed to those who ask him. Now, if you, if you look at that verse, if you're a first-time attender, um, you might notice, oh, that's bolded. Well, sometimes what I do, or actually every week I do this, I bold kind of key words and I put parentheses in and kind of explain out that, that phrase. The reason why I do that ultimately is for me, because this is how I read the Bible. Um, I, I have a tendency, you probably don't, but I have a tendency to get distracted when I'm reading the Bible or I'm reading and I forget what I just got done reading. So I, this is how I read and the Bible. And so I, I put it up there just in case some of you might, it might be helpful for you. But there's a word up there that I've highlighted, and it's a key word, and it's the word good. So God answers prayers positively when they match his definition of what is good. So how do we make sure that we pray in such a way that he answers positively, that he gives us what is good? Now, the first one might be obvious, but it's, it's this, that we need to pray confidently. I say pray confidently because this is a command. Jesus isn't just saying, hey, by the way, if you feel like it. No, this is a command. These are what they, they call a, a present um, imperative. Okay, So these are a command from him. So he wants us to bring to him what concerns us. He wants us to bring to him the things that we're fearful of, the relationships that are struggling, the work situation that's difficult. He wants us to bring to Him marriages that are struggling, our children that might be struggling. He wants us to bring to Him those things that concern us, that we're wrestling with. And some people get discouraged because they'll be praying about something and they're feeling like, you know, actually, I don't think God's answering it, my prayer. And, And actually what's happening is, He's, our question really is, why didn't God answer my prayer my way? And so then we're struggling with that. And we're wondering, why isn't he doing it? And then what happens a lot of times is people will just then stop talking to God. They'll stop praying because they're feeling like God isn't answering their prayer. But he says he will if we pray for what is good. Now, he has given us some instruction uh, in this Sermon on the Mount that I kind of want to hit real quick. Um, this is free stuff. You know, I'm just kind of adding to it. But it says this. Um, Jesus, again, in his message, he's saying, don't pray mindlessly. So as we're praying, as we're following through what God's commanding us or Christ is commanding us to do, we're not to pray, pray mindlessly. Now, what does that mean? Well, there are some uh, Christian religions that have um, certain prayers that you have to pray all the time. And usually it's the same prayer. No matter what the circumstances is, no matter the situation is, they tell you, hey, pray this. And you're supposed to pray this. But Jesus actually teaches against that. You just read the passage. Because that's what the Pharisees were doing. They just had a, a patent prayer that they prayed. And it's just kind of his mantra. Now, saying that, I just also want to just throw this out for those of us who may not come from more liturgical background, um, high church, what, you know, type of the, the, we who are evangelicals, you know. 
we have a tendency to pray that way too. If you pray for your meal, our tendency is to pray the same thing every time. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the food. Blessed are our bodies. We just kind of, you know, or, or for me is, you know, God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food I ate because I, I forget to pray at the beginning. And so I pray at the end and thank you for what I just got done eating. But when we start praying things mindlessly, you know, we're laying here in bed and let's, ah, 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 you know, or we just, you know, there's a tendency for us to kind of get into this rut. And so we need to make sure we're not praying mindlessly some rehearsed prayer. Going with it, then our prayer is to be personal. This is a one-on-one conversation. Even if we're praying in a group, it's still a one-on-one conversation with God. It's to be personal. We're to have this mindset where I'm in the throne room of God, if you want to put it that way, and I'm having this conversation with God. Again, Jesus is saying this. And then he says that we're supposed to pray for his will to be done and to give us whatever it is we need to accomplish his will. He says that, that, our will, uh, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is God's will done in heaven? It's done immediately, and it's done completely. And well, that's how we need to be praying. And then the last one is that it's always connected with building his kingdom. Because remember, he's talking to people who are saying that they're followers of God. And so we here this morning, if we're saying we're a follower of, of God, we've placed our faith in Christ then our prayers always need to be connected to God's kingdom and His righteousness. In other words, God's kingdom, that we'd see more people come to Christ and that we do life God's way. It's how how we say it around here. God's righteousness, living right, doing life God's way. So don't ever believe the lie that your own heart may even tell you or somebody else might tell you that God doesn't want to hear your prayer. He wants you to pray. He wants you bringing your concerns to Him. And then this thought hit me as I was praying through this and working through this passage. When we don't, sin, or when we don't pray, so God's commanded it, right? It's a command. Do this. When we disobey and we don't pray, it's sin. So if that's a motivator for you, you're like, well, I don't want to sin. Okay, then pray because God wants you to pray. It's an awesome promise, am I right? Okay, two of you are excited about it, but, you know, that's okay. You too, get everybody else excited about it. This is good stuff. So we need to pray confidently, and then we're supposed to pray relentlessly. Isn't that a great word? I, go, I went up on a thesaurus.com because I was trying to figure out how do we, like, pray all the time? What's it? Relentlessly. And that's exactly what this these words mean. So it's, again, it's a present active imperative. An imperative means a command. I'll teach you English on top of the Bible. You're welcome. So it's a present active imperative or command. So for those who are, have been part of our church for a while, you're going to hear me say something that I say all the time. Most commands in the Bible are present active, meaning day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances and no matter how we may feel about it, do these things. And so Jesus is commanding us to ask, seek, and knock. And so in asking, we're continually asking God for what it is we think we need. You know, we may be right, we may be wrong. If we're wrong, we've got to be willing to change that. But we just need, just need to ask Him for what it is that we need. 
But how do we know it's what we need or somebody else needs? Well, then we continually seek. Now, this is just, as I'm kind of reading through this and praying about this, and, you know, I also look at commentaries and see what's different uh, commentators have to say on it, people who study out the Bible and stuff. And one other guy mentioned something close to this. So, you know, if somebody wants to disagree with me, that's fine. But here's the deal. If you're going to seek, seek is looking for something. And so you're praying, and you want to know if what you're praying for is what God wants you to pray for. Where do you think you would seek? What's the location? The Bible, right? Yeah. So we're continually to ask, and we're continually to seek, to get into God's Word and say, okay, am I, am I actually praying what God wants me to pray? Is this the right prayer to pray, the right thing to pray for or not? Let's see what God says about it. And then it moves on to the next thing because it has this idea, almost like an increasing intensity. And so then the next thing is... Anybody irritated yet? Now? Just tell me when you're irritated. Now? Okay. All right. I had somebody in the first service. Stop! Do you know... That God never gets irritated. So as we are praying and asking Him to fulfill whatever it is that we're asking Him to fulfill, to, to meet a need, or whatever it is we're asking Him to meet, and then we're going to His, His Word to find out, are we really actually supposed to be praying this? Should I be praying something else? And it's kind of like this whole thing where we're just knocking and asking God, is this what you want? And so we continually knock to gain understanding. Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And we'll talk a little bit more about this in this next point, and that is to pray expectantly. It's kind of funny. It's Mother's Day. So I was, uh, I was up on thesaurus.com, and uh, I was looking for a word that means expectantly. It said pregnant. And so I was talking to Hagen this morning. It's kind of, yeah, I guess... God conceives the answer and then births the blessing of the answer. I don't know. Anyway, I didn't use that one. I use expectantly. So, here's the deal. If we do this, we need to expect that God's going to fulfill His answer. That God is going to answer us. Now, He may say yes, He may say wait, He may say no. But it's an answer, right? Because that's what we're asking for, an answer. So if we're praying for something and it's good from his definition, then he'll give it to us. If what we're praying for, even, you know, it might be a good thing, but it's not the timing yet. You know, whether it's for us or for somebody else, you know, God's always at work kind of moving things around and getting people connected and working through. And so what happens in our life is going to impact other people. We talked about this in the last two weeks of messages, which by the way, I encourage you to go listen to those and grab the notes and work through them. But God's always working. So maybe it's, yeah, you're praying right, but just, whoa, 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 just wait. Just, we'll get there. So just trust me. And so maybe that's what he's saying. And if what we're praying for, for us or for somebody else, is not good, he's going to say no. Because God's a loving father, and that's what he does. He cares about us. 
Now, just another free bit of advice, because I love to do this for you guys. Uh, for those who don't know, I get paid by the word. And so sometimes I give free words. It's just how I'm just that way, you know, um, especially it's Mother's Day. So how do we know for sure that God won't answer us or not even hear us? Because the Bible says that. So I got some verses to kind of help us out with this one. So husbands, not, it's Mother's Day, right? So we're going to pick on the husbands. God says this, he had Peter write this. You husbands, in the same way, in the same way as Jesus dying on the cross, live with your wives in an understanding way. Remember, I was talking about that radical life that's impossible to live. All right? We're, husbands, we're supposed to understand our wives. We're, why, why is everybody laughing? Maybe somebody, I don't know, God. Uh, I don't know if they're... No. We're supposed to understand our wives. That's impossible. And so God says, bring that concern to me. I will be the one who gives you understanding on how to do that. To know who she is. To understand what, are, what drives her and what, what are the buttons to push and the buttons not to push and the wisdom to know which one of those to push. All of that. As with someone weaker, we'll come up to me and talk to me later about that. So we said so she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of, of life. In other words, she's our equal. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. Hindered means prevented. Husbands, if we're not seeking to love our wives the way God says to do it, our prayers, and this doesn't even necessarily mean just for our wives, but our prayers will be hindered, prevented. Yikes. Here's some other ones. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears them. That's John 9 and in Psalm, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And what he's talking about there is, if, if we, we say that we're a Christian, but we're not willing to, to do life God's way, if we have sin in our lives, and now we're not willing to repent and wrestle with. And I want to make sure I say that accurately. It's to repent of, which means to turn from, and to wrestle with it, to, to work through it. To, and we know we're not going to be perfect, so it's not saying be perfect. But this is the person who's like, well, yeah, I know I'm doing wrong and I don't care. Well, God's not going to hear that prayer. And then James talks about the fact that sometimes we don't get what we ask for because we're not even asking. This is the person who's finally just said, okay, forget it. Uh, you know, I've tried and God isn't answering the way I want, so I'm not going to do it anymore. And in other cases, verse 3, we ask with the wrong motives. We, we ask with selfish reasons. We ask God to do what we want him to do so we can build our kingdom to do life our way, to make people the way we want them to be, not the way God wants them to be. And so we got to be careful as we're asking. And when we seek Him and seek His Word, he's, He says, I'm going to give you an answer. So we should be expecting that, looking for it. And then when we knock, He'll give us understanding. He'll give us understanding how to pray. Then He'll give us understanding of what the answer actually was or is. He may even give us an understanding of why it happened the way it is. I'm not saying he'll do it every time, but oftentimes we'll get that answer. See, the, this, the idea that it will be open has this idea that there's something blocking the way from something that we need, and the only the person on the other side of that door can open it. 
And so we're knocking, we're asking God, give us what it is that we need. Give us what it is, uh, give us understanding of what that should be. And then he opens the door. And we can walk in and, and receive what it is that we need, understanding of what we need to be praying for. And then the more we do this, we'll be able to pray wisely, which is the last one. We can pray wisely. He uses, Jesus uses the illustration of, of imperfect parents. We who are sinful parents and how we, can, we know what is good, what it is that our children need. And so when, if they need a bread or... Does anybody need fish? I, anybody need it? So if it's bread or a hamburger, you know, we know our kids need that. Now you can feed your kids fish. <clears throat> My parents did almost every Friday growing up. And that's why I don't eat it today. But it, whatever it is, for, it's not about me. It's about what God wants. So bread or fish, if, they, if, we, if we know what they need, we're going to give them what they need, right? And we're sinful people. We make bad choices. We make wrong choices. But God, who's a perfect heavenly father, he knows exactly what it is that we need. He knows what's good for us. And so we need to ask, seek, and knock for what is good in our situation. That's the wise prayer, asking what's good. Because you notice, the children in this illustration ask for what was good. They didn't ask for the stone. They were not unwise. They were wise children asking for the bread and the fish, what it is that they needed to eat. They didn't ask for a stone. And the parent, of course, wouldn't have given them a stone and put that down their throat and see how that goes. So they were wise. We need to be wise. See, too often, we're like the other side. We're, we're asking for things that are unwise, that we shouldn't really be asking for, maybe. That's for us and not for, for God's sake. Another illustration I thought about this, this week was, you know, it's like this. If you were to sit your kid down and say, grandparents can do this, but parents can't. If you sit your, your child down and say, hey, listen, you have your choice. From here on out, the rest of your life, you can either have steak and taters or you can have cake. A kid, and probably me too, will probably say, I'll have the cake. Let me eat the cake. Just fill me up with cake. Why? Because they don't know enough to know that, man, you have cake for every meal the rest of your life. You're going to be hurting. Not just like a sore stomach. I mean, your whole health is going to go downhill. And so as good parents, we know that they need to have a steak and taters. You can have some cake, but you need to have a steak and taters if you're going to be healthy, if you're going to be... So we give what is good. And then the last thing of that is that only God knows what is truly good. Remember last week the attributes we talked about? Why can I trust God? And we talked about some of his many attributes. Remember you guys went home this week and you studied them? Again, two or three of you. Boy, where do you go, Caleb? Nice. God is an unbelievable God. He's a God that's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows everything, not just the choices that we will make, but every choice we could make. And in that, everything that could possibly happen from every one of those choices, including the one we actually made. He knows it all. 
He knows the impact, the things that we pray for and what could happen if he answered them, right or wrong. He's outside of time. So he's already in the future. He knows exactly what that situation or that prayer, how that will impact. So the, the more that we seek or ask and seek and knock, the more effective our prayer will become because the more we'll know what he wants us to be praying for. And we'll see those prayers answered. And here's the best part of all of this. Ultimately, when we pray confidently, when, when we pray uh, relentlessly, when we pray expectantly and we pray wisely, we grow in understanding who God is. What does God desire? What's important to God? And we become... Uh, more intimate with Him and, and have a closer relationship with Him. We begin to think more like Him. And therefore, we pray more effectively and grow in greater appreciation for how He works. I, you who are grandparents, um, have you ever had, or not even grandparents, but have you ever had your adult child come back to you and say, yeah, sorry, uh, about how I treated you <laughs> growing up, you know? They, they bring this appreciation back. And we we're, going to, we're going to be able to do that with God and appreciate who He is and, and how He operates. Well, as the band comes up, just got a couple takeaways for you. Uh, and the first one is this. Just kind of ask the question, are, are you a, a follower of Christ? Do you have a relationship with God through faith in Christ? Because that's how the relationship is initiated. It's placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal. This, these promises are for those who have done that. Those who have placed their faith in Christ. Those who have a relationship with God. And this promise is for those individuals. And so if you have not done that, that's your first step towards having answered prayer. Through having an understanding of what it is that God wants you to pray. And it's simply this. We've all sinned. And it says that we fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we're not perfect. And that sin, we can't get rid of on our own. No matter how good we are or think we are, God says our righteous deeds, the good things we do, are actually filthy rags. Because it's selfish-based. And so we have to say, okay, God, I've, I've sinned against you, I've disobeyed you, and I need your forgiveness. And then we, so we're admitting that, and then we believe. We put our full weight of trust on what God says salvation is, and the Bible says over and over and over again, salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. And we say, I I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that's what took away my sins. That's what paid my penalty in hell. And we say, God, please forgive me my sins, and I'm trusting what you say, that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. That's the C, confessing that. You having a conversation with God. And it's that simple. And the Bible tells us that God then, the Holy Spirit comes in and cleans out that sin, forgives us of our sin, and then He adopts us into God's family. We become a child of God. Now God's our Father, and He's going to meet our needs. And as we pray wisely, we'll see those needs met more and more. So if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you, just your heart to God's heart. Have a conversation with Him. Even in this mess, I mean mass, 
Just have a conversation with God. And ask Him to forgive you your sins and tell Him you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone. And if, if you would, I'd love to know that. And just take a Connect card and put your name on it. And on the back side, you can put on the blue side, you can put that I trusted in Christ today. Throw that in the offering bucket and I'll be sure to uh, be praying for you and also send you some information. I, I won't spam you. You know, that kind of thing. And then lastly, for we who have trusted in Christ, do you know what God wants for your prayer. As you're praying, do you know what it is that God wants? If not, you need to get into God's Word. Search it out. And if you don't know even where to look, let me know. I'll, I'll direct you where you need to go. I won't give you an answer necessarily because I want you to be praying, seeking, and then experiencing God's answer as you knock. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close with the song.